You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case, and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So, I use the saw to split the pelvis, and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome a brand new fresh episode of the Freshwater Bite Podcast. Thanks for being here. I've got a phenomenal show for you today uh, episode because my good friend Donnie Obert from Rainy Days Guide Service joins the podcast. And I mean, what can I say about Donnie? He's a special man and you'll see throughout this whole podcast, he just makes you laugh. He's someone who you want to be in the boat with, you want to be learning tips with because your experience, I believe, with Donnie on the water, it will be a memorable one. And you can you can kind of tell that through our conversation. I have a hard, <laughs> I have a tough time holding it together in parts of this, this podcast because he has me laughing so hard. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast and it helps you to get to know not only like what it takes to be a guide and Donnie explains his story about how he kind of he bet it all and risked it all on following his dream to become a a charter boat captain and uh and to guide full-time on the water both um open water and on um ice fishing season so Donnie has a great story and I hope he provides some inspiration to you all out there I hope you get some laughs out of our conversations and you learn a lot um about what it takes to to become a successful uh, guide on the water and that it it goes just be it goes further than just catching fish or being good at catching fish because it's the whole thing is an experience and it's one that you want to leave your customers remembering forever so without any further ado here is my good friend donnie obert hello Hold on. I'm still figuring it out. Hold on. Oh, man. Oh. This, this How could, about now? This, this could take a while. I think... <laughs> listen, unless it's a fish finder, I'm not the best with technology. Is that as far as your electronic knowledge goes? Is just how to look at a, at a fish owner? Listen, my kid's a computer engineer. I got him for the complicated stuff. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. At least you produce some uh, some intellectual, smart, uh, uh, you know, computer savvy people in the world. That's right. I, listen, I got two kids. One's a computer engineer. One's a salmon and halibut captain in Alaska. Man, they couldn't be any more different. That's awesome. How's she liking it up there? <laughs> oh God, she loves it. What's right? Right. Yeah. She got her got her degree in biology, and now she's a runs a salmon and halibut charter. So I went to Alaska this September uh, with my dad and brother to uh, to hunt moose, and our, oh my! And our packer was he works the boats all summer long, and then when end of August comes around, he flies to Interior Alaska to you know to 
to pack for uh, an outfitter out there. So he was, um, he was loving the life up there. He's like, dude, any, nothing's better than going out every morning and catching halibut. I would have to agree. I mean, walleye's a close second, but. <laughs> walleye and monster pike. I like both of those options. So uh, what have you been doing, man? How's the, uh, how is your 20, how did 2020 go for you? Okay, okay, okay. Um, 2020, how was 2020 for Captain Donald? Um, you know, 2020 actually was one of the busiest seasons that I've had so far as a full-time fishing guide. We, I went into the season pre-booked uh, an awful lot of dates. And, uh, you know, there wasn't much you could do here in the great state of Minnesota and everybody wanted to get outside. So, um, we were booked, we were booked solid. I think I maybe had four days off from early April until mid-October. Did you think that going into COVID that it would be different? Like, how was your outview on it? I mean, obviously, it was probably pretty concerning with them closing Canada and everything. I was extremely concerned with the closing of Canada, um, but that was short-sighted to say the least. Okay. Um, I thought there'd be a, a lot of cancellations. Uh, there wasn't. I maybe had, I could go back in the book and look, but I think I only had two trips canceled due to COVID. Okay. Um, the flip side of that argument is, here in, in Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, Illinois, Iowa, there are literally millions of people who take their annual Canadian fishing vacation. And being that none of those trips could happen, it was a pretty sweet place to be, to be a guide on Rainy Lake, which still offers, it's a Canadian Shield Lake, so we still offer that feeling that that remote um you know not a not a ton of cabins uh we we still offer that feeling of a of a canadian fly-in um with with the ability to drive to drive here and and we just would only then fish on the minnesota side of rainy lake but uh we were busy i think we actually ran a record number of trips last year so you guys are almost like a pinch point like that everyone looking to get away and still get outdoors could only go as far as north as probably you guys because then they couldn't go into Canada. So hopefully that's like a new tradition or a new business that uh, they see the benefit out of where they don't have to cross the border and then they can just stop right there in I Falls. Well, I think, honestly, Lee, I can see Canada off my deck here. Okay. So this is this is as far as you can go. And I when I give people directions, I tell them you drive to Canada and take the last right in the United States, <laughs> and that'll bring you pretty much right to my house. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think we opened up a lot of eyes. I mean, we 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 took customers all summer that had been going on fly-ins and drive-ins, and and uh, you know, a lot of those people were awfully surprised at how good a fishery we have here, and and that we could actually do that on the on the U.S. side of Rainy Lake, which. You know, a lot of people that come to Rainy Lake, everybody likes to talk about, you know, we can go to the Canadian side of Rainy Lake. And, you know, to be honest, the fishing is pretty dang good on the U.S. side as well. Right. So, like, when that happened, and obviously it, it takes off a lot of territory to have you guys not to be able to go into Canada. Can you talk about how you switched your game plan up? Like, did it force you to go outside your comfort zone to find new spots within the U.S. side of the waters? 100%. So, so on a typical, let's say on a typical non-COVID year, yeah, I probably run, you know, myself in my boat, I probably run 85% of my trips into Canadian water. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this year, just not having that option, what it did is it actually forced me to learn the, the U S side better. And, and, um, you know, there are a few, few things you have to contend with. It's, it's approximately 30% of the lake is in the U.S., approximately 70% is in Canada. So we have a lot, lot less acres to deal with, um, and you have a lot more boat traffic to deal with. So uh, I guess, I guess percentage-wise, you know, you're, you're competing. Now you're not only competing against what Mother Nature has to offer these fish to eat. Now you're competing against 
mother nature and a pile of other boats. Right. You know, so you definitely need to, to start thinking outside the box, you know, as far as presentations and, and maybe trying to show these fish something that they, you know, if you're the 10th boat to pull up on that reef today, you're going to have to show them something they haven't seen. I mean, I would, I would think that fish don't have a real long memory, but you know, if they're all sore lipped, they're not, they're not going to keep biting. So you, you do have to get a little creative. Right. Well, that's what, I mean, that's what it was, you know, I, for you guys to be forced in that situation, you know, as all this was going on, I don't know, my brain wanders a lot. And I was thinking, I was like, man, those guys up there, like they've got to figure out a way not only to survive, but adapt and still make it uh, a business model that can thrive in these, in these new environments, because there's this imaginary line that you guys can no longer cross up there. I'm going to hold you up right there. Huh? Uh, I was actually stopped. Well, I've been stopped plenty of times by Canadian Border Patrol. Please don't call it imaginary. Oh, I'm sorry. Call it invisible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they, they made it a point to tell me that when I said it was imaginary. They said, no, no, no. It's invisible. Oh, man. They're so smart, aren't they? <laughs> I laugh. I, I've laughed about that sometimes. <laughs> you should make a T-shirt, the invisible line. <laughs> I don't want to cause no waves. Yeah, but yeah. So anyway, so now you guys have this new thirty percent, like you said, of a body of water that, you know, sometimes like it gives you a lot of options, like you said, to go to show the clients a great time to go into Canadian waters. Now you're forced to stay on the United States side. Um, you know, like I was saying earlier, I was thinking like, man, I wonder how much of their game plan that they have to change. And uh, like you said too, like. If they're pushing fish off of, I would I would imagine that would force a lot of other boats to stay on the United States side. So you know maybe your spots or your honey holes that you had um, that you could bounce back to time to time, it might get more crowded on there. So I was very curious how you guys were going to be able to adapt to that to keep the the presentations in front of their face and keep them interested. Yep. So so you know you just have to do things that aren't traditional ways of catching them up here. I mean mm-hmm. we you know every every everybody that's that's fished walleyes is you know well jigging a shiner. You know, jigging a crawler, jigging a leech, and and uh, you know sometimes you got to get creative. You have to, you know, instead of instead of pounding every single reef, you know, from here down to Kettle Falls and back, um, you know, I I spent some time pulling cranks on snap weights in between the reefs. So mm-hmm. in my mind, like and more and more and more boats pile up on these rock reefs, they're gonna push those fish out. And I thought, you know, I I'm just gonna try. You know, we're, imagine a stretch where you've got five or six reefs, you know, within a, a mile of each other. Okay. And in, in my mind, I thought, you know, let's let's say those fish are getting pushed off those reefs, but they're not going deep. I, I'm just, in my mind, I can see them suspending just off structure where they're not being harassed. And set your cranks on, on uh, you know, to run, say, those reefs top out at 28, 29 feet. I set those set those cranks to run at about that depth. And I just pull the distance in between those reefs. And it actually ended up being a pretty productive method of catching fish. And, and that was something that those fish weren't real accustomed to seeing. So, you know, the, the, the old timers and whatnot that have been out here forever are sitting on those reefs and they're watching you just waylay on them out in no man's land, <laughs> you know, and it's a, it's a, you have to kind of figure out the presentation that nobody else is doing on, on really high pressured water. Did you have guests that had been with you in the past that had come back, let's say this was their second year or third year, you know, in your boat and you were doing something new and did they have an opinion about it or did you, you know what I mean? Did you ever have a client like that where it's like, why are we doing that this year? And did they get, uh, you know, the same enjoyment out of it? You know, to be honest, everybody was, was pretty cool. Um, I, in, in fact, I, you know, a lot of us were, were super appreciative that people just weren't canceling left and right. Oh, I, I would imagine. Um, so, you know, one of the mistakes or, or one of the lessons I guess I learned relatively early in guiding is that you don't necessarily let the fish dictate whether or not you're going to have a good time, whether or not your customers are going to have a good time. You know, the, the fishing is going to be what the fishing is going to be. You can't force fish to eat, you know, the best you look at look at tournament fishermen sometimes the, the the best fishermen in the world right right a lot of times they go out and put on zeros right oh yeah right so fishing is still fishing whether you're a guide or a tournament guy or a weekend angler 
you, so, so you focus actually more on having fun and educating, um, and you kind of let the fish decide if what they're going to do today. It's, it's, um, I, I found out real early if the fish don't want to cooperate and, uh, as the captain or the guide or what have you, if I, if I start getting real growly, mm-hmm. um, customers can't have fun. I mean, they're on vacation. You, you know, you got to focus on not wrecking someone else's vacation. Well, while at the same time, you know, trying to show them a good time. So, you know, I tried to just keep it light, keep people laughing, telling stories, telling jokes, showing them. I mean, good, <laughs> good Lord, we live on the most beautiful lake on the planet. Um, the scenery second to none, you know, and the fishery is, is in my opinion, is second to none, but that don't mean they bite every day. So right. uh, last year, I mean, people are, are, are phenomenal. We, I get the privilege of spending somebody's vacation with them, a portion of it. And uh, that's something I actually take to heart. I, I try to remember that every day that, that the whether whether the fish cooperate or not, you know, I still want to leave them on the dock laughing and smiling with a hug at the end of the day. And hey, I'll see you next year. Uh, this is just a question that I'm personally curious about. Uh, you said early on you learned to have, you know, to teach them to have a great time, uh, make it a great experience. Is that something that came naturally or is that something you kind of had to open your eyes up to and just kind of chill out and, you know, like you said, not make it all about the fish? Well, so when you first start as a guide, you're so desperate to prove yourself as a fisherman, uh-huh. you know, that, that, um, that you, you can lose focus, uh, on what's, on what's actually more important. And, uh, and, and I'm not saying that the fishing's not important. I mean, of course it is. That's why you're here. But it, it can't be 100% of the trip. Uh, so and I'm a kind of a born storyteller, uh, an entertainer. You know, I've had, oh, yeah. I've had a, pretty, a pretty amazing life as far as, uh, uh, as far as things I've done and where I've been and circumstances that I've, I've, I've been in, whether I put myself in those circumstances or whether I was put in those circumstances. But, uh, you know, I'm, I, you know I'm, I'm a pretty good people person. I feel like I have pretty good people skills, so... Um, you know, I've done a lot of stuff. I was, I was in the service and I was, you know, I've poured concrete for 20 years and built big buildings and rode Harleys and raced mountain bikes. And, you know, it's like, I can, I can almost always find a common bond with a customer, you know, something that we have in common. And, and from there, you, most of the time you just spend the day fishing, telling stories, laughing and connecting with other human beings, which at the end of the day, it's, it's, um, people want to fish with someone they know, right? you know, and most of these people, I end up, most of my customers end up becoming good friends that we, we chat year round. It's not just a, it's not just, it's not just a, a salesman, you know, pitch. It's, it's, I actually become pretty good friends with an awful lot of my customers. So yeah, uh, well, it's, let, it's let, definitely more than, than fishing. Well, like you said, then you're fishing with your friends year after year, something to look forward to, you know, put it, plan it and put it in the books and, like you said, you get to fish and have a great time with your friends every single year and show them, show them new techniques and uh, just relax and kick your feet up. So that that is that is, that's a super valid point. Lee, is is uh, you know I'm I got my book sitting on the counter right now and I just you know I just counted up the trips I have pre booked and so many of those names are are three and four year customers now and I mean some of these guys have fished with me 20, 30, 40 days wow. over the years and and. Uh, you know, when you're taking out those, those return customers that you've made connections with and you've had a lot of laughs with and had some good days on the water and some bad days on the water, it is literally a zero pressure situation because you know, you're going to have fun. You're looking forward to the trip. They're looking forward to the trip. Um, you know, when you have a, a brand new customer standing on the dock every single day, um, if you, if you have an, an incredibly high attrition rate where you constantly are taking out new people, then, then I would have to believe that you're constantly feeling that overbearing pressure to, to, uh, you know, right. It's, uh, it's cause you haven't had sex or Jesus Christ. You haven't had success with them before. <laughs> yeah. Don't you know, so you're, so Just, you're <laughs> well, hey, some trips go sideways. What can I say? Yeah, <laughs> that's a slow uh, day. You that's don't a, even have to edit that out. That's hilarious. That's a slow day on the lake right there. 
Listen, I might take my <laughs> customer's happiness to the next level. Oh man, you are uh, you're you're, the, you're a good guy, dude. <laughs> Full service. <laughs> oh, oh man, oh that's a good one. Uh, um, yeah, man, I'd like. You know, like I said, people got to be looking. I mean, the repeat customers. You're really having trouble moving on. (laughs) Oh, I'm laughing so hard. Uh, um, You know, they're probably looking forward and paying to to see. (laughs) We might have to start this whole thing. Oh, man. It's all right. I can edit it. But they're probably paying to see you rather than, you know, and the catching fish is just a bonus. Oh man! Woo. All right, I gotta bring it back together. <laughs> Good thing it's not live. I told you. <laughs> so I oh, God. You know what? It, Lee, honestly, it wouldn't even bother me, dude. That's, <laughs> that, that's actually people love the you know real. Oh, they yeah. love when you're real with them. Oh everybody, man, that's real. Almost everybody can spot a fake. Oh yeah. You know, people people love realism. They love it. They oh, yeah. love it when you are your true self in front of them and. That's actually, I think, what books me more trips than anything is, is people they when they leave here they actually know who I am, right? You know, and just like, you know, I we deal with with salespeople and and you know, a salesman once told me people want to buy from someone they know, right? It doesn't matter if it's if it's corn seed or truck tires or it doesn't matter. They want to buy from someone they know. So once you have fished with a, a specific guide or a certain guide and had a connection and had a few laughs, you of course you want to fish with that guide again because you never know who you're going to get next time. Right. So, um, you know, for me, rebooking, is just, it just seems to come second nature. I don't know what it is. At the end of the trip, people are, I mean, a lot of times they have got their deposit ready for, for next time already. Put wow. me in the book. Wow, that's awesome. So it is, it is awesome because I took a pretty big risk, you know, leaving a, a relatively secure job to, to, uh, pursue this madness. And, uh, so far I think it's gone pretty well. I'm not bankrupt yet. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny you say that about being real. I think, man, it's especially with, uh, you know, the environment today on social media or whatever, people can really fake a lot of shit and, uh, you know, it's just, you know, for example, the podcast, I never, I never come on here saying that I catch a ton of fish or I spend 350 days on the water a year, or I know all the answers, but I like to have people on here that are more experienced to me. And that's my hope is to, you know, show folks, um, a side of fishing that, uh, they can learn something from, whether that's technique stuff or stories like yours, where, you know, when it comes to guiding, I mean, there might, Think about there could be somebody out there right now thinking about if they can make it as a guide or not. And, you know, you just told a great story about having it being an experience, not making it all about the fish. And, you know what I mean? And, and building relationships and making new friends every day. So, Lee, I think the most common misconception is to make it as a guide that you have to be Johnny know-it-all on the water. Right. So, so looking back, now having having honestly fished 300 plus days a year for the last four years, looking back, I was, I had so little skill as a fisherman when I started guiding. Um, and, and that's, you know, I was a weekend warrior. I worked, you know, 70, 80, 90 hours a week for the previous 20 years. I, you don't have time to fish. Right. Um, I loved it. And, and I, you know, at the time I thought I was pretty good. But the amount of knowledge I've gained just from being on the water every day, from working with other successful guides in the industry, you know, the amount of knowledge that you amass, but you don't necessarily need to be an expert to, to at least attempt to go down this path. I was a terrible fisherman when I, when I started down this road, you know, and I didn't realize it then, but looking back, I do. Right. Looking back, I can clearly see mistakes <laughs> I made over and over and over again for years and years and years. Right. I'd say the most important thing, you know, if if somebody is interested in in guiding, is get a mentor, find a a team you can be on, find you know, align yourself with people 
good people who are really providing a service in the fishing industry mm-hmm. and learn. Uh, that's, that's, uh, you know, lucky for me, I had the people skills. So I had that going for me and, and people kind of love a madman, which I am a little bit of a madman. Oh yeah. You're, you're a wild uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm pretty tame now. B. You should have known me in the day. Okay. Um, yeah. but, but everything I do, you know, my, my whole entire life, I, I'm a hundred percent in, I don't dabble. I don't dabble. So, right. so when I said, when I said, yep, I'm going to move up to Ring Lake and be a full-time guide. I mean, quit my job, sold the house, moved up here, bought a house on the lake. I mean, oh, and th- you know, this is with zero assurances that, <laughs> that, you know, I remember my wife one time when, when uh, we first started, when I first broached the subject. Yeah. And, I want to hear, um, I want to hear this story. Cause like any married man is not just gonna be like, Hey, I'm bouncing. <laughs> Don't I go up there and start, start guiding because I like the fish. Um, so it, you know, it just kind of happened. It's, it's kind of crazy. I was, uh, I was unhappy. I, I won't say that I was unhappy. I, I liked what I did. I was, a, I ended up being a general foreman for one of the biggest concrete construction companies in the, in the, probably in the Midwest and, uh, had been there a long, long time, 2017, 20 years, something like that. And, and, uh, and had done a lot of out of town work. And I just was kind of, I felt like it wasn't going to go any further. I, I had maxed out, you know, my hours and, and, uh, I loved fishing and I was irritated. I was commuting a hundred miles each way every day and, you know, working a hundred hour weeks. And I just, I, one day I just was sitting in my boat thinking I'm going to, I want to figure out a way to not pour concrete for a living. I'm going to figure out a way to fish for a living. And, uh, I happened to be hooked onto my boat and I was driving up here for a camping and fishing trip. And I saw, you know, Chris Grandrude from Rainy Day's Guide Service had posted that he was looking for another full-time guide. So, honestly, I just called him and said, I'm your guy. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, what? And I said, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. I said, I'll be there in three hours. And he said, okay, well, well, let's, uh, we'll sit down and have a conversation. And we met and, and, uh, you know, we kind of figured out who each other were. And Captain Ben was there and Chris's wife, Kelly, was there and, and, uh, we ended up shaking hands and 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 I said I'll, I'm I'll be here I'll be here next spring done deal. So that, then I had already kind of taken the leap and and then when I got home I had to figure out how I was going to explain this to Nikki and uh, so I broached it you know pretty lightly and and I would say in all honesty I met a little resistance, mm-hmm. um, but. She, you know, we, we had, it took more than one conversation. I will admit that. It, in fact, I had to walk home from the bar from we we're having dinner at the bar at the saloon. And, and, uh, you know, we, we just, we saw things differently and I didn't want to say something I was going to regret. So I walked the, the three miles home in flip flops <laughs> and, uh, Smart man. you know, she, she, she actually drove by me on the road and I thought, Oh, thank God she's coming to get, Nope. Uh, <laughs> It didn't even slow down. Oh. So it did take a few conversations. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, she said, you know, you've, you've worked pretty hard. And, and uh, you know, together we've, we've made her through every, every bad decision we've ever made before. So oh, I, said, awesome. I said, baby, the only, only two bad things I can wreck here is my pride and my credit. <laughs> I said, I can always come back to construction. I mean, I have a good name in the, in the industry. It's, it's, uh, what, what do you got to lose? And I was thinking to myself, you know, the absolute worst case scenario here is I, if, if I fail miserably, I'm still going to spend eight months fishing every day on the most beautiful lake in the world. Right. And at the end of the day, even if, even if you, even if you fail, who oh. gets to say they got to fish for eight months? Dude. So if there's one thing like that I fear most in life and I, I think about it, not constantly, but quite often, like. I'm not worried. I can fail. I'm not worried about failing. I could, I've failed at other things in life and, or other things that I've tried and I I don't take it to heart. I learn from those situations, but I'd say the thing that scares me more, more than anything is probably regret. So if I were to get to a point where, you know, I can't do something I love and I've always wanted to try to do something and I'm sitting and I, and I didn't do it or I missed my opportunity, I think that regret would eat at me way worse than any failure would. 
I could I could not agree more. Yeah, so I, I, I think that you would regret not giving this a shot, but still just going every day, putting your hard hat on and pouring concrete. And then one day you retire and you always said, you know, what if I would have did X, Y, or Z back in the day? And I think I think you're in a great spot and you're super successful at it so far. Well, I will tell you. So I will tell you, Lee. I, I Yesterday I had the privilege of guiding a kid that used to work for me. And, uh, and he, he was on a couple different jobs with me <clears throat> and, uh, I did ask him, I said, Mike, I said, be, be straight with me. How many guys wanted, wanted me to fail? How many guys in the lunch rooms and the break rooms after I, after I left said, you know, there's no way Donald can do it. There's just no way. There's no way. Who does he think he is going to go up there and be a big time fishing guide and, and he said, you know, you know what, he still calls me boss. He says, you know what, boss? A lot. He said, everybody thought you were nuts. Everybody thought you were nuts. And well, here it is four years later and I'm not bankrupt. That's, that's, that's my version <laughs> of success. Hey, that's all right. Now, now is, is, is guiding, you know, every day, is it, is it exactly the dream that most recreational fishermen think it is? No it's, it's a lot more work than, than most. So, so what most folks associate guiding with, well, geez, all you got to do is fish every single day. And, and, um, you know, they kind of associate what, how you fish with, let's say how they fish with their buddies, Tom and Dave, Mm -hmm. you know, where, where, you know, we're going to putz around in the boat and if we get them, we get them, uh, you know, and we'll just drink a bunch of beer and throw some bobbers out. And well, that's not exactly how a, how a successful guide approaches it you know it's 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 actually a ton of work it's it's most days are 14 to 15 hour days you know from the time my boat backs off the boat lift and and by the time i put the boat back on the boat lift there it's a lot longer days than people realize and it's grueling we oh, so yeah i'll give you a great example i have i have in this this exact scenario i've heard it play out hundreds of times if you have a set of customers for three days or more you know the first day everybody says the same thing my god you just got to be the greatest job ever and uh you know you got this this boat and it's beautiful and you get the fish and you just agree with them you know you say yeah no it's, it's pretty terrific yeah <laughs> you know and then and then you pick them up on day two and they say oh my gosh we slept good last night we didn't realize how tired we were. And you, you know, you kind of laugh and say, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's exhausting. And then you, you know, you pick them up on day three and they, they look at you and they go, how do you do it? You know, and you're thinking to yourself, you're on day three. I'm on day 90. Yeah. You know? That's why you so see these big bags grunt. under my eyes. I'm not looking. That, I, I usually look a lot better than this. Right. Right. I remember captain Ben Gilbertson. I, you know, I'm sure you know, Ben. Yeah, I know Ben. I fished, uh, I fished Cap- in his boat before. Yeah, super, super great guy, knowledgeable fisherman, great fun guy to fish with. But he told me uh, when I first came up here, he said, it's a grind. And I looked at him and I said, dude, I've I've been pouring commercial concrete for 20 (laughs) years. You're telling me I'm going to get tired fishing? I don't think it's – well, I tell you what, I had to eat my word. Oh, yeah. Because it it is a grind. I mean, it's it's, – you know, if you're a recreational angler – and you're say you're sitting at the resort and you wake up and there's five foot waves. You go, ah, have a little extra breakfast, see what happens. If you're guiding, you're going. Right. You know, if it's pouring rain, you're going. <laughs> yeah. If it's if it's you know, I guided on the rainy river in minus eight in the boat. <laughs> Shit. You know, you're going. You're going. And that's that's something that a lot of people don't realize that that it actually is. It is pretty grueling. If you're going to run, if you actually are going to pay your bills doing this. Well, now, if you're retired and you've got, you know, a supplemental income, you can kind of pick and choose. But if you're going to try to make mortgage payments and, and boat payments, and this is going to be your life, it's grueling. There's no doubt it's grueling. Right. And Mother Nature doesn't give a shit if you have bills. Your boat doesn't give a shit if you have bills. All this stuff can go wrong, especially in minus eight degree weather. So your brain's got to be constantly thinking ahead or thinking like there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. You know what I mean? Well, my first year guiding, I went through that. I don't want to. Oh, is, is this a trolling motor story? Yes. Yeah, that's when I first met you. 
Oh, I was, my first year oh, dining, this is a great story. I went through, I think, 21 trolling motors. <laughs> yeah, I was, I remember coming to the JT event, and they're like, you got to meet this guy, Donnie. He goes through trolling motors <laughs> like Kleenexes. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he just had a, he has trolling motors just walk off his bow. I'm like, I don't know. I've this, actually had that happen three times now. I, I was like, I got to meet this dude. I pull up and it was like, everyone was just jabbing you, giving you shit. Hey, is it, what trolling number are we on today? <laughs> I am infamous for, uh, listen, in all honesty, if any trolling motor manufacturers are listening to this, <laughs> if you need someone to test your stuff to make sure it's bulletproof, I am your guy. Captain Donnie right there. Everyone hit you him up. I will tell you this, though, Lee, it's one of the things in, in any business that that you run is <laughs> is figuring out how to get the most out of your equipment, you know, whether right. it's uh, any kind of business. Uh, you know, last year, so, so my first year I went through 21. My second year I went through seven. Last year I only went through three. Oh. And and my boat got hit by lightning, so I, yeah. I'm not even claiming <laughs> the one. So literally I only went through. So I am getting better as we go here. But, you know, people like to tease me about the trolling motors, you know, uh, <laughs> but I tell you what, they're not, they're not made for, for guides. No, they're not made for, right? yeah, they're not made for you. So, so consider your, consider your, your neighbor, Tim, who, you know, he fishes a lot. Right. Right. And say, say Tim fishes every weekend for the three months of summer. That's 26 trips. Right. Right. I run, I run 140 trips on open water a year. Jesus. So now you break that even um, take it a step further and think about how warranties work, right? So these things are engineered for your neighbor, Tim, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so if yeah. there's a two-year warranty, you know, that company that I'm not going to bash any company because I, I think they all do their best, but that company warranties that thing for weekend warriors because there's a million weekend warriors, right? A oh, hundred yeah. million. There's, there's only so many guides. So they actually engineer it and, and warranty it for the weekend angler who can use that thing for his whole life and not put the hours on that trolling motor that a guide would have on it in one summer. So they're they're just literally not – if they were to build a trolling motor for guides, it would cost a billion dollars, right? It's right. just you can't – it would cost more than the space shuttle. I truly it, believe, it believe that. It would be engineered by NASA or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. They just, it's just when you're, when you're on the water every single day and, and no matter the conditions and you're trying to put fish in the boat, <laughs> it's real hard to be gentle on equipment. Hey, how does it look when a trolling motor just walks off the bow of your boat? Like, do you, like, do you have a response to the customer after like, Oh shit, there goes another one. Or like, what do you say? <laughs> no. So the first thing, honestly, the first thing you want to do is cut the power. Okay. <laughs> um, because they actually, if it's, if it's so, so mine are typically hardwired in. Yeah. Um, I don't like the plug in in the front because I feel like it's just one more thing that can go wrong. Okay. Um, so the first thing I typically will do, because if you try to lift it in the boat with the prop spinning, you're going to hit your fiberglass it, that I can promise you that. Okay. Um, so the first thing you want to do is cut the power and typically they'll actually still, as the prop is spinning and it pulls the power cord tight, it'll stay up. It does. I actually have pictures of mine just suspended, just with the motor out of the water, you know, with the with the control head out of the water, just sitting there like a bobber. <laughs> so what I have realized is you don't have to run. Okay. You, can, you, you can just go, oh, well, another one. There goes another one. Okay. So yeah, but it's it's um, you know, I've gotten rid of a. Um, listen, if anyone out there, this is what I do. I have them hardwired. Um, they go to a breaker in the, in the, in the battery compartment. And the other thing I have done is I get rid of any sort of mounting plate. Okay. So whether it's, it's, uh, whatever that brand is, if it's aftermarket, no mounting plates, I bolt mine directly to the boat. And a few, so a few of those that have walked off on me, it's actually the mounting plate has broke. Oh, okay. Okay, and and so you say I'm spot locked and it's it's relatively windy. You know that motor's on seven or eight or nine, and it's it's you know constantly adjusting for the wind direction, and eventually it just lines up where there's no friction on either side of the <laughs> mounting plate, and it just drives off the boat. 
So uh, it's like, so, it's, you know, <laughs> just like anything else, I just keep making small adjustments. And, and so now I think I've got a pretty sweet setup where, where I, I did not have any walk off the boat last year. Is that fair? That's very fair. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm getting better. I'm um, getting better at this. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. The shit that you got to deal with every day being a guide. I mean, like I said, your brain is because, like, here's the thing: your got your your next waiting client at the dock doesn't care your mo your trolling motor doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like, you've got to make it work because you've got trips coming the next day, and you know, I think too. Getting back, it it relates to you know. I'm sure you bounce a lot of questions off of Chris or Ben or things like that. Being part of a good team, how to work through these these new scenarios that you've never dealt with being a weekend warrior. Sure. Sure, hundred percent. So, so tomorrow's customer doesn't care what happened today. You are a hundred percent spot on. When I show up at the dock in the morning, my boat's got to be at a hundred percent, and the captain has to be at a hundred percent. Right. Right. So, so that's actually the most grueling part. Is is so I've already fished for eight or nine hours today. We've cleaned fish, said goodbye to customers, drove back to my house, put the boat on the boat lift. Now I got, now I'm fixing stuff, right. whether trolling motors or re-rigging rods or re-spooling line or God knows what broke today that needs to be fixed or just cleaning the boat, right? you know, hosing the boat down and, and hosing out your live wells and your bait wells and, and making sure your boat doesn't stink and, and taking all your coffee cups back up to the house. That's actually one that my wife gets on me the most about when we're out of travel <laughs> mugs, she knows I have about 60 of them in the boat. Right. But, um, you know, all those little things that, that all is part of, of being a professional fishing guide is when tomorrow's customers step foot in that boat, that wow factor is there. Right. It's clean. It's organized. It's, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to fish in a, in a X, whatever brand right. you're running. You know, it's, it's, um, I've had skeeters and nitros and this year I'm pretty pumped to be back into a, a brand new skeeter. So, um. But you do have to deliver 100% every every morning, every right. morning. And, you know, Lee, honestly, if there are mornings where, let's say the bite's been real tough for three, four days, you know, and you wake up and it's bluebird skies as far as you can see and not a lick of wind. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God. Please, it's sunny you know, but, <laughs> but you pull up to that dock and it's, hey, morning, everybody. Hey, yep, well, we got I'm gonna. We're gonna try this, and you right. have to bring it every single day. That's what customers are looking for. Yeah, and keeping your boat, you're keeping your boat in tip top shape, but also your mental, right? I mean, I'm sure you've got to like, you've got to bring that every day. You've got to make sure you're mentally good. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. 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 In fact, a lot of here, here. Here's kind of a funny, a funny side note is, is that when customers come up here, clients come up here, or what have you, they're on vacation. And because we're, we become friends, then, then they want you to be on vacation and right. Hey, you know, uh, geez, you want to stay for dinner and let's have drinks and we're going to party all night. And, and, uh, you know, there's, there's times when I will actually have to say, and say, well, Bill, when you're, when you're back home and working and you're an electrician or, or a roofer or what have you, I said, you go out and party till midnight every night before work. Well, no, <laughs> yeah. well, I don't either. <laughs> I can't right? do that. Because, Donnie won't because, be here tomorrow. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so I mean, I'm still excited for him, and I'm happy for him. I'm glad they had a great time, and I'm glad we made a connection. But typically, I have, I'll have a beer or two, and and say, hey, we'll see you next year. Right. And uh, and because I don't want to get kind of stuck in that trap of, no, that's, of oh God, that, it's ten o'clock and I'm wasted. Yeah. And my, you know, I'm five miles from home. How do I get my boat right. home without? You know, it's just that's professionalism, uh, man. That's perfect. You're bringing that professionalism into, you know, guiding and people do respect it. I mean, honestly, people say, oh, yeah, geez, I guess you were fresh this morning for us. You probably want to be fresh, you know, tomorrow for the next guy. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, anybody listening to this, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but just kind of describe International Falls. I mean, even being from Michigan before I met you guys, I didn't know where it was at or what it was all about. Can you just kind of describe the, the, the place that you're at and what makes it so special? Um, sure, sure. So rainy Lake is, 
is it's part of the water system. Um, it's, it's, if you ever break out a map and look, it, it's actually quite enormous. It's, um, you know, it's, it starts a little bit South and East of here. We've got, um, we've got crane Lake dumps into Sandpoint Lake dumps into Namakin Lake. Gabatogama dumps into Namakin. All that water spills over at Kettle Falls on the far east end of Rainy Lake. And that water all flows roughly 38, 39 miles to International Falls. Now, that's just the U.S. arm of Rainy Lake. There are basically three other arms of Rainy Lake, and all the water flows to I Falls, International Falls. Water goes over the dam, creates the Rainy River, the infamous Rainy River. Right. Uh, Rainy River runs about uh, 65, 70 miles and goes into Lake of the Woods. So it's all the basically the same water system. Got you. Um, what makes Rainy Lake so special? Special to me, uh, the reason I've been, you know, as a, as a weekend angler and camper and, and guy that came up here for, for 15 or 16 years um, was that it's Voyagers National Park. And so on, you think of Northern Minnesota and Canadian shield lakes, um, you know, like Vermilion and, and Cabotogama, uh, those, those lakes have tons of cabins. And what, what I think is really special about Rainy Lake is there are basically maybe 10 miles of shoreline that have houses. And then the remaining balance, once you enter the national park, there, there are, there are no homes. There's a couple of cabins left in the park that are kind of grandfathered in and, and even those are going away. Um, but it's, it's nature as God intended. Right. It's, it's, I call it fisherman's paradise. So there, there are even some rules in the park. There's, there's supposed to be no jet skis. There's no water sports to include water skiing, tubing, um, things of that nature. So it literally is fisherman's paradise. I mean, Every boat you see out there is basically there to fish. I mean, you don't have cabin owners, you know, running a wood chipper while, while you're right. trying to <laughs> leaf blower, some shit like that. <laughs> yep, yep. <sighs> so, so to me, that's what always drew me up here was, you know, in the park there's you know a hundred plus boat in only campsites. There are no roads in the park. Um, it's, it's wilderness. It, it's true wilderness. Talk about some yeah. of the things you've seen in the water. Like when you're guiding, I always find that interesting when I was talking to you. Um, I've seen, well, just about every critter that's up here. I've, I've we've caught them in the water. I've, we've had black bears swim right past the boat. Um, <laughs> we see them on shore. Uh, not, not a ton, but regular enough. We see timber wolves. Um, I've seen, only seen a couple of moose. Honestly, they are so reclusive. Um, you know, I think, I think they hear your boat coming into the bay and, and they're just, they just disappear. They're a little timid. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's see. Last year, two years ago, I got video of a 14 point buck, just an absolute monster with, uh, with probably 14 or 15 inch G, uh, I brow times. Wow. It was just, I'll, I'll send you the video. It was, it was insane. And we were Lee, we were. 300 yards from shore and 60 feet of water. And this buck just swam right by us and swam another two miles all the way to Canada. We watched him the whole time. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's why I wanted to bring it up and have you talk a little about international falls. It's like, you know, you're getting back to it earlier. People are always, you know, looking to go to a remote fishing trip or things like that. And, you know, a lot of times they always think of Canada, but that's why I'm trying to portray this, this spot that you fish and guide in, I mean, it's everything you can think of, of like a, a remote getaway um, and just be fishing and, and with nature all around you, like you were describing. I just, some of those stories that you were telling me, like, I mean, you ain't going to see that stuff down here in Michigan at all, but up, <laughs> up, up there, I could say it's, it's pretty wild up there. And it sounds like it's a, it's a great spot to get away and, you know, not have any distractions. Yeah, if your thing is is um, you know fishing and camping, uh, we have real good waterfowl hunting up here. Grout, our grouse hunting is is probably some of the best in the world. Uh, million land up here. It's it's uh, it's it's paper mill land and county land. Um, it's all all pretty much open, accessible to the public. 
I forget the exact number of acres that Rainy Lake is on the U.S. side. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we can, when when we can fish the whole thing, <clears throat> it's uh, I want to say two. 270,000 acres or something. I mean, it's a big body of water. Right. You know, there, there are, there are over a thousand islands. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's scenery second to none. I, I always, all the years we came up here camping in the back of my mind, I always said someday I'm going to live here. That's and, awesome. uh, I just got lucky enough. The dots connected and, and, uh, here we are. My wife's a county RN in town. She, she works for the county. So she, she's a, she's a saint. What? I like to think I'm the saint in this relationship. Oh no, she's the saint. I've met her. She's great. <laughs> um, yeah, I got honestly, I got real lucky. Oh, she's yeah. uh she's uh she kind of has let me do my thing and and uh she's been my my biggest cheerleader and my biggest supporter and that's you know without her this this never happened. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, so, it's it, it's great to have her. I'm sure I, on your on your sideline cheering you on and you know obviously she's she's enjoying the lifestyle too she does she likes to fish when it's 85 degrees and no wind and no bugs and the fish are biting oh well that sounds like the perfect (laughs) scenario for you to take her out and show her how good of a fisherman you are (laughs) hey let me show you how good i am at this babe (laughs) yeah yeah um, she she actually will yell at me so i'll 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 finish a trip or or what have you and come home and say hey babe you know you want to jump in the boat and, and uh we'll go fish for a little bit and and so you know of course i of course i don't go hammer the same spots i'm bringing customers to i always <laughs> the lake is so big i'm always looking for new spots yeah and, yeah <laughs> so she's learned to actually look on my graph and she'll you know she'll say are we is this new spot? Take me to where we can catch fish. Say, I don't, don't want to scout. Yeah, I'm not your <laughs> guinea pig here. <laughs> yep, she actually takes it real personal now. She says, this is nonsense. I, we never catch fish. I said, babe, that's how what scouting is. You got to weed out the water that don't hold fish. I'm working overtime here, honey. Yep. Oh, God, it's so funny. It, it took her a while to figure it out, but now she's Johnny on the spot with it. She the no nonsense. You take me where we can catch fish. Smart lady. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, anybody looking to come up there, do you guys help with the, when Canada does open back up, you know, anyone thinking about coming up there, do you help take care of like the licensing and all that kind of stuff to help go into Canadian border or, you know, Canadian waters, or at least give them, you know, where to go or take them to a bait shop where they can, you know, purchase that? Yes. So typically what happens now, now, now granted, this is, this is, historically this is if nothing changes right um so typically what we'll do is is if if customers are have any sort of computer savvy um i will send them the ontario outdoors website i'll send them a link to it and and this is probably a week or so before they even get up here okay and i'll just walk them through it it's it's real simple um you got to buy, usually got to buy an outdoors card. I, I think that's 10 bucks and it's good for three years. And then you got to buy a non-resident, you know, angling license. And, and, uh, you can buy a, I think you can buy a three day or a week or an annual. An annual is only like $68. So it's not a huge, you know, it's not a huge dent in the pocketbook. I don't think it's, it's unreasonable. It's, I think it's actually, it's extremely reasonable. Um, so We'll walk them through it. If they struggle for some reason, I mean, honestly, I have probably bought, I have probably purchased 400 Canadian fishing licenses while sitting on the dock at the resort. Oh no. (laughs) Okay. Just, just on my phone, you know, and then I'll, and then I'll email, you know, the Canadians want it printed out on paper. They, they, they're a little sketchy about just looking at it on your phone. Okay. Some, some of the MNR officers are fine with it. Some of them are not. So, so my recommendation is to always have that printed and on your person and the resorts here are, they're great about it. Um, I can fire them an email and they'll print them out and, or I can lot. I've even brought people to my own personal dock and said, hang on, I'm going to run upstairs and, and you know, I just connect my phone to my printer in my office here in, in the house and just print them out. It takes 10 minutes. If you can't get it done ahead of time, it's not the end of the world. We we can get it done on the water. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know because I think, you know, it, whether people are just packing for a trip, slips their mind, or, you know, 
or they just don't want to have to deal with it or worry about it too much. Obviously, you kind of walk them through it over the phone ahead of time, but I guess yep. it's not the end of the world that they show up and uh, forgot. No, and and even some mornings, some mornings, leave people don't even know it's an option. You you know, let's say it's not a return customer of mine; it's somebody new, and I didn't get a chance to talk to them before their trip. I meet them at the resort, and we kind of are explaining the options, and they say, "Oh my God, I wish we would have known." You know, I bought a lot of licenses the very same morning, just like while they're eating their their ham and cheese omelet. I'm buying Canadian licenses, and, and uh, we're getting them printed out, and away we go. So it's not the end of the world. See, you are tech savvy. Well, a little bit. Not, <laughs> not Probably not as much as, as I should be, but I can run a fish finder. Awesome. Hey, so one more thing before I let you go. I think that, um, you know, the thing that I like – and look forward to the most. One of the things I look forward to the most on your, your social media is that early May, uh, Northern Pike bite. And you, oh boy, you post some monsters. I think it's a, a great trip and, or a, an adventure that people, if they're, if they're really in the Northern Pike or just really like big fish, um, to think about maybe booking with you to kind of come up there. Can you kind of talk about that bite a little bit? Sure. Sure. So, so, you know, most, I'm sure most of the people that listen to your podcast, they, they kind of understand that, you know, most game fish spawn in the spring and, right. and, you know, pike spawn extremely early up here. In fact, most of most years when the ice is gone, the pike are already done spawning. So okay. most of the time they actually spawn under, under the, the ice. ice. Okay. Yep. Yep. And, uh, well, those walleyes, you know, over the course of time have, have come to realize that, they don't actually leave the shallows, right? So they know that walleyes are coming in to spawn next. And when the walleyes are done spawning and start moving out, the smallies are coming in to spawn. So mm-hmm. it's almost like a never-ending buffet for these big, big pike. And they know they can consume a ton of calories without expending a ton of energy. Because they're coming so, to them. Because, yeah, just sitting just sitting like a conveyor belt, you know, <laughs> food just rolling in. So, you know, most of the time we are, we're throwing su- some sort of suspended stick bait. Okay. And, uh, and it's a, you know, it's a twitch retrieve and, and twitch and pause. And, and um, you know, we, over the course of, of several seasons, you really can get it narrowed down to some very predictable locations. And, uh, you know, so the first, the first thing I'll do Lee, is, is I'll get the customers in the boat and I get them all rods and, and, you know, we're just using, we're just using seven foot one, you know, JT, JTX medium lights. We're not most of, most of those huge pike that, that I post anyway, we're getting them on spinning gear on, uh, yeah. on medium light spinning gear. Okay. And if, if you've never battled a 47, 48 inch pike on, on a, a medium light, you're in, you're in for a treat. Oh man. <laughs> That's your tip right there. Yep. Yep. Well, you, I feel like you can work the baits better with, with a little bit lighter setup. You okay. Know? Um, if you're using a pool cue, a lot of times, I mean, we're, we're not throwing giant baits in the spring. I mean, everybody thinks, you know, giant pikes and giant, giant musky, they eat giant baits, but in the spring, they don't. We, a lot of times we're throwing four or five inch stick baits. Well, you're mimicking that easy meal that they're used to seeing. You don't have to throw anything huge. You're just throwing something what they that comes across their face and they've been, you know, munching on and, and, and enjoying a nice, easy meal. Correct. Correct. Now, what's your main line on that for folks with with uh, maybe going after this kind of bike in their bo- or this bite in their body of water? Honestly, I use twelve pound twelve pound braid, usually suffix or I like I kind of like that uh, the suffix that high vis yellow they have. Okay. And the reason I like that is it is it is absolutely critical to have no slack in your line. Okay. So where, where most people struggle with this is, you know, it's a, it's a twitch bait, right? So you kind of snap it, snap it, snap it. And then you have kind of a long pause and on that pause. So I'm either sweeping my rod tip or I'm slowly reeling to always keep that line tight. Okay. And the reason that I like that high vis line is I, I can keep better track of what my customers are doing. So, so I can, with a quick scan, if I see line laying on top of the water, 
I know they're slack in their line and I can help them make that adjustment faster. Ah. You know, I say, Hey, I see a little bit of slack in your line. Let's just reel up a little bit more there and then let's twitch. Okay. Yep. I see a little slack in your line. So you can, you know, it's easier for me to see, uh, as, as a captain or as a guide. So I know that they're fishing it correctly. It's, it's, it's a lot of times. So, so people think that these pike bites are just bone jarring. And, and a lot of times Lee, they're not a lot of times it is, it is a tick. And, and when you rear back and set the hook, then it's bone jarring. Right. But a lot of times you have to, what you have to imagine is, is, a you know, you look at the mouths on some of these pike we catch and you could stick your arm in there, you know, up to your shoulder. Right. And now, now you imagine a, a four inch stick bait. They don't grab a hook and run. They engulf the whole thing. Right. Right. So a lot of times it, it's a tiny little tick is all you feel. And if you don't reef that hook back, their mouths are big enough. They just open their mouth and out it goes. Yeah, and they got pretty tough mouths anyways to begin with, right? Oh, you got to smash that hook set. Yep. Yeah, that's what folks <laughs> don't realize is like, you know, like you said, they'll inhale the whole thing and they'll let it sit in their mouth for a second. They're like, this don't taste like it's supposed to. And they'll just bark that, bark that thing right back out. Yep, it's it's it happens so fast. If you ever find any footage online, it's, it is in and out. Right. And, uh, and so if you got slack in your line, and you don't feel that tick, it's hard to believe, you know, three treble hooks hanging off a stick bait don't hook something, but it, I'm telling you, it happens. If you don't keep that line tight, you're going to miss fish. Is there a special leader that you put on Donnie so they don't uh, mouth up that, uh, that braid? So I actually like to crimp my own leaders on. I'll just buy a spool of 30 pound fluorocarbon. Okay. Um, 30 or 40 pound fluorocarbon. And so you can also buy those leaders but they do you know when you buy them there's two extra two extra clamps two extra swivels and all that weight hanging on the front of a, a bait that's supposed to suspend horizontally actually makes it tip nose down hmm. so so i'll actually i'll actually just run run a loop of fluorocarbon through the the split ring on the lure okay and i'll crimp that direct so every stick bait in my box already has a, a, a leader connected to it. Gotcha. Do you just run that up then to like a barrel swivel on the main line? You got it. Sweet. That's easy on, yep. easy off, guys, because I would imagine even after a couple bites of these things, your pre-tied ones will get toothed up, and you might not be confident of losing that $15 stick bait out in the water, so you might want to switch it out, and it would be easy to do if you got some pre-tied ahead of time. Yep, pre-tied, and, and it's actually, even if you don't, it takes, it literally takes two minutes. I'll, I'll grab a whole, you know, I think my shipment of, of baits for this spring just came in, so I got 40 or 42, I think, in the boxes in the basement. I'll just, I'll throw everything on the coffee table, and, and if Ma and I sit down and watch a movie, you know, I, as we're watching the movie, I'm crimping leaders on, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and getting them organized and, and setting them aside. So as I go through the course of the day, if hooks get busted off or bent or something and I need to swap out a lure, it's it's two minutes, if that. Pull the box out. It's already got the leader on it. Tie it on. Keep cast. Well, thank you for those tips, man. That's, again, there it goes, folks, showing you that the guide life never stops. He's there spending time with his uh, his bride, and he's still tying lures and getting rigged up for the next day watching a movie. It does, it does drive her nuts sometimes. Yeah, she has to tell me that our house is not fish camp. That's awesome. Donnie, thanks mm-hmm. thanks for spending this time with us. I feel like I need to come up and just like document a day with you and just vlog about it the whole time because people are going to be a, catch a show regardless of what you're doing that day. Uh, Lee, <laughs> open door. You are always welcome. Bring bring your wife and kids. They can swim off the dock and have fun. Oh, uh, man. I'd, I'd be an honor to have you, but I, I love listening to your program and it'd be fun to fish with you. Well, hey, thanks for coming on today. And where can folks uh, follow you at, find more about you, and maybe even book a guide trip? Oh, let's see. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I think that's just standard Donnie Obert. Uh, on Instagram, at Captain underscore Donnie, I think. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's right. I'm sure uh, it is. Let's see. I'll, post it, I'll, I'll post all this in the show notes too, folks, for anybody looking oh, to, cool. to, to book with Donnie. <laughs> And uh, when I post on the social media, I'll make sure to tag him and actually have his uh, his handles on there as well, so you can reach him very easy. Um, then the other, you know, if you if you actually are look 
actually just text me and and uh you know, I, I've got my calendar. It just sits out all the time, whether I'm home or not. You know, it might take me a couple hours to get back here or whatever. But um, one thing I, I will throw out there quick is a lot of people always want to ask, what's the best time to come up here and fish? Yeah. And it's always the best time. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, what, what, what I will tell people, Lee, is if I'll ask them if there's a, a specific technique they want to learn. And then I'll recommend a time frame where that technique is something we're using. Dude, I like that approach. That's, I don't think I've ever heard a guide say that before. Usually it's like, well, well what kind of fish you want to go for? I've never heard of like, well, what technique do you want to learn about? That's, a, that's an awesome way to put it. Yeah, it's, it's well, we go through, so we go, we go, I know you're trying to end this thing, but. No, you know, I'm fine, go I got through, time. We go through about maybe six different pretty distinct bites, you know, over the course of a guide here. So, so if somebody says, well, I'm pretty good with jig and a minnow, but I'd like to, you know, I'd like to learn how to run bottom bouncers, or I would like to learn how to pull crankbaits on snap weights, or, you know, geez, I've never really pitched jigs and plastics. And, and so then I can say, listen, if that's something that you want to focus on or, or a technique that you want to learn, um, then I would come at this time because that's a really, really high probability. That's the technique I'll be using at that time of year. That's cool, Donnie. I like that approach to it, man. That's, do you want to talk about asking customers first? You know, but I mean, that's, that's perfect. Well, you know, here's the thing is, is what I've learned over the years. I'm going to be booked. Right. So I used to, you know, my first year, someone would say, when's the best time? I would look in my calendar and go, let's see, let's see I got three days off in July. You know, July is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but, but now, you know, now with a few years under my belt, it's, what you learn is that education is actually probably a bigger part of what we do than actually catching fish. Right. So, uh, you know, make it make it about what your customer wants, and you're going to find success. Well, that's awesome. And anybody looking to go with Donnie, man, you might see some wildlife swimming or some trolling motors walking off the bow, and it could be a wild ride. So get out there and book your trip with Donnie. Hey, I'd love to have you, folks. Give me a shout. Shoot me a message. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, buddy. I mean, what do you say to that, folks? It's just what it is with Donnie. He's a good dude. Hope you guys enjoyed that podcast and you got to know Captain Donnie Obert a little bit more. Make sure you follow Donnie and or head on up to rainydaysoutdoors.com. And that's D-A-Z, so rainy days, like you're in the days. And then just look for Donnie on Instagram and on Facebook, Donnie Obert, so... O apostrophe B E R T and um, check him out over there because he's always posting great photos of the fish that he's on. And um, he's always fun, obviously to follow along. If you liked him here on this podcast, you're going to love him on social media too, because he's honest and he's always posting what he's doing. So I want to thank Donnie again for coming on the podcast. And I want to thank you, the listeners for, you know, just supporting the podcast. I mean, every, Every time I put out the episodes, I see the downloads and the, the follows and everything like that. And I just want to say I appreciate you guys for following along and hope you guys continue to, to enjoy the content that I throw out there. So there's going to be a lot more to come. I'm excited about the upcoming guests this year. And uh, if there's again, please DM me if you guys want any kind of topics, subjects, bodies of water, people to have on the podcast that you would like to learn more about please send me a dm and we'll get you um get you what you need and uh, we'll get some great some great people on here and, and cover a lot of great content so in the meantime again thanks for listening